You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So we are just three days out from stuffing our faces with turkey and dressing and green bean casserole. And you know, the, the next day on Friday, you get a little drowsy, you get a little tired, but are we recovered? Are we feeling good today? But those times when, when you're doing that and, and you're in fellowship with family, it's so sweet. It's such a good time um, to be grateful and thankful for all that God has provided and all that God is going to provide if you don't know who I am, my name is Christian Wilder. I'm the student pastor here at Gateway Franklin Church. And today I want to tell you a story. It's a story about family, a story about coming together, having fun, but more importantly, it's about the people. Every single year, my family, we get together for our family reunion at the lake. It's a time of fun. It's a time of tubing, golf cart riding. Um, it's the best weekend of the year. And this one particular year, we thought it was a good idea to do a little competition, a competition of who was the best tuber in the family. And obviously, I was going to be the best, right? But we were going to figure that out. So all day long, we were tubing and, and riding the waves and having a great time. I was sitting there watching my older sister, and she was a... a a good enemy for me to, to try to vanquish. She was um, pretty good at tubing. I was just sitting there. The, the sun was, was beaming on my arms. I was feeling its warmth. I could hear the music blaring from the boat. I could taste the sweet tea um, as I was sitting there watching her lose. But by the end of that day, there was no clear winner. So we decided one last round. This time, we're both going on the tube. Whoever falls off first loses. But what we didn't know and what we didn't see was the storm cloud off in the distance. So we start riding around, going in circles. Favorite cousin Gail is trying to throw us off into the water, and that storm cloud gets a little closer, but we're oblivious. We keep on going. We're laughing. I'm trying to push my sister off because I am going to win. I have to win this competition. And then all of a sudden, there's a loud crackle and the lightning hits a hundred yards away. Immediately, the competition's over and we race back to the dock. We get the tube up and then all of a sudden, the floodgates open. The water from heaven comes down. It is raining cats and dogs. My shoes are seeping wet. I'm miserable. Miserable for two reasons. My shoes are wet and I didn't get to win. But what I didn't know was the beauty I was about to walk into. As we get back to the house and the, the image as I go went into the door was nothing short of miraculous. As I walked in, I saw Betty and Roy sitting in the living room. Now, Betty, she's, she's the one that makes it all happen. She's the one that brings everyone together. And Roy, her husband, uh, he's, a, he's a jokester. You can always find him with a can of tobacco and a cup to spit it in. Them, there are always great stories and laughter around those two. In the kitchen, you had Stacy and Michelle. Now, Stacy, she's a firecracker. She has her opinions, and guess what? She is always right. 
And then Michelle, you have the overprotective mother who is always caring for her kids. You have Cassie and Kale walking in with me, their brother and sister that are always at odds, but you can tell the fierce love that they have for one another. And then there's favorite cousin Gail, the ray of sunshine, the person that makes spaghetti and and you eat it and enjoy it. Then you play bananagrams late into the night and get no sleep at all. You see, these names, these people, they have stories. And the passage that we're going to be in today is Romans 16, and it's a list of names. And these names in this text have stories too. So you have your Bible? I would love for you to turn to Romans chapter 16. Many scholars believe that this chapter in Romans should have been left out of the biblical narrative because it doesn't seem to align with the theological precedent in the earlier 15 chapters. But Paul, you can imagine him um, as he's wrapping up his letter to the church of Rome going, I just want to mention the people that are present, the church family. Just like we have biological and blood family, there is a church family that exists. So join with me in reading Romans chapter 16, starting in verse 3. And if you can, stand as you're able to for the reading of God's word. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampelitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asensitris, Philogen, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Marius, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. This is the word of our Lord, and Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful for your word this morning, and we're grateful that we can gather together. Lord, let this word transform us into more like you. Lord, hide me behind your cross so the only thing is seen is you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. What a whirlwind. What an enlightening passage of Scripture. Now, I know what all of you are thinking. You're immediately going to go and change your Instagram bios and your Facebook bios to say Romans chapter 16 because it is just that good, right? No. You, you read this and you go, what in the world is its purpose? Why in the world is this important? It's just a list of names. But names have 
stories. That's the first point that we're going to sit in today is that names have stories. Can't you just imagine Paul right here? Can you just imagine Paul as he's concluding his letter to the church of Rome? He's sitting down in his little rocking chair and he's thinking of the people. He's just sitting there and reminiscing on time spent and he grabs a can of Coke and he cracks it open. He goes, Priscilla and Aquila. Wow, they're lovely people, aren't they? I remember this time when I was, I was sharing the gospel with Priscilla and Aquila and this rather large fellow walks in and he was disputing and yelling and screaming, but Priscilla and Aquila, they handled that with such grace. Wow, I just love those people. And then you have um, Epinetus. Wow, what a name that is, Epinetus. And the first convert from the province of Asia, that takes some, some boldness. When he told me his story, it inspired me. He defied his parents. He divide, defied his entire town to follow Christ. What an inspiration. And don't we can't forget Mary. You can't forget my dear friend, the hard worker Mary. There was just one time where we were sitting in, in our church potluck, having a good time eating the rest of the corn casserole. When Mary was nowhere to be found, we didn't see her anywhere. Eventually, she comes busting out of the kitchen, fussing about how she was the only one working. Where were y'all? Oh, Mary, we were just sitting here having a good time, but you're such a hard worker. Can't you just imagine Paul doing that? As he's writing this letter, these names, these people elicit stories in his souls that when he remembers them, he remembers what they've done and who they are to him. And it begs us to do the same thing. When we think of the people in our lives, the people that surround us, we must recognize their stories. And I want to give us three things that happen when we recognize that names have stories. The first one is it makes them real. It makes them authentic. Because how often in your life do you put on a facade? How often in your life do you try to pretend that that you are better, that I don't have these struggles, I don't have these problems in my life. You put on your best face. You fake it until you make it. But stories, when they're abruptly honest, there's an intimacy that's formed when you tell the story of your life or the story of other people. Names have stories. These stories make people real. It makes them human. So names have um it makes them real. The second one is that it elicits gratitude. It displays gratitude in our hearts. When we share a story, we're talking about times of the past that we are grateful for. That time when I went on this great trip, it was an awesome time. I'm so thankful I was able to spend it with those people. But even the times that aren't good, even the times where you've struggled, even the times where you suffered, where everything was turned up on itself, when you share those stories... You're displaying a gratitude of God's provision in your life. Names have stories. Share the stories of the people in your life. It shows gratitude for the part that they've played in your journey. It makes them real. It displays gratitude. And the third one is it shows love. It shows love. Everyone has a, a grandparent or a friend or a mentor that they, that they admire 
that they care for deeply. And there's people in your life that are never going to meet them. Maybe they've passed on. Maybe they moved away. And you could describe them by saying, oh, they're a tall fellow, a little hefty, um, really nice, supportive. But when you tell a story, the story is what carries on their legacy. The story displays love for them and how much you care and how deeply connected you are to them. Names have stories. Recognize these stories of the people in your life. It makes them real. It elicits gratitude in your heart, and it shows love to them. And this is what Paul's doing. He's naming these people, and he's saying, they're real people. He wants you to know their names and how sweet it is to lift up others through stories. In the movie Coco, I'm a big uh, Pixar movie fan, and in this movie, you see Miguel, and he's, he's living his life, and he's trying to go against his family's wishes, and he goes up against the ofrenda, and he sees these, these pictures of his family, his great-great-grandmother, his cousins, and you have the estranged person, uh, and he doesn't recognize them for their true value. But at the end of the movie, we see uh, Miguel go and see his family, and recognize the story that exists. The reason the family loves each other is found in the stories, the times that we spend together. Names have stories. Let's recognize these stories together. And just as names have stories, here comes the second point today. Stories lead us into community. Stories lead us into Community. All throughout the biblical narrative, you see stories being used. All throughout the Bible, stories are leading us to come together. The very first verse of the Bible says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a story of how everything came to be. The first verse in Job says, There once was a man in the land called Uz, and his name was Job. A story of his life. And then Jesus came. And he spoke through parables. He spoke through stories. There once was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among robbers. He used stories to give a point. Stories lead us into community. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, we see the nation of Israel had just crossed the Jordan River, a miraculous event, and they laid the stones outside of it to worship and to praise God for what he had done. But another purpose for these stones was when little Johnny, four generations later, came by and said, hey, dad, what are those stones for? The dad can say, son, let me tell you a story of what God has done for us. And even when neighboring tribes and nations came in, they saw those stones and it told a story. And these stories bring us together. Think about it. When you get together with friends, when you get together with families, you tell things of what has happened, memories you've shared. Don't you remember that time when we went to Disney World? How great it was. Don't you remember a couple Thanksgivings ago when, when this thing happened? We share stories together. But when we think about the stories that bring us together into community, we have to wonder, what is the purpose of community? What is community for? And what was the first community that there was? Well, to illustrate this, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. In the beginning, there was God. God, the Trinity. 
and God created us. And why did he create us? And a lot of people go, well, he created us because he was bored and he wanted someone to worship him and to talk to. But that seems a little silly. But when you, when, when you dig deep into who God is, the Trinity, Father, the Son, the Spirit, the first community is found there. The first small group is found in God. You have the Father, which is the lover. You have the Son, which is the beloved. And you have the Holy Spirit, which is love itself, binding everyone together. And we were created out of the overflow of the Trinity's love. So that is why we exist. Because of the overflow of God's love created in his image, made for community, because the God that created us is community. So that is the formation of the first community, but but how can we live this out? How do we live out a biblical sense of community? And to do this, I want to offer us a quote, a quote from Bonhoeffer that that gives us parameters and some guidelines of, of how we are supposed to look. It says this, the person who loves the dream of community will destroy community but the person who loves those around them will create community. So it's not just about wanting to be with people. It's not just what you get. It's not just the experiences you have. It's out of Christ's love in us that we gather together. And I want to give us four practical tips, four practical guidelines and examples of how we live out biblical community. And a community in a simple terms is living out love. But the first way is to live generously, to have a heart of generosity. In Romans 12, 13, it says this, share it with the Lord's people who are in need. You see, us as humans, we are innately turned towards ourselves. Our sinful and selfish and uh, desires are always going to uh, pull us in, but generosity flexes the muscle of going out. We're generous because we recognize that it isn't ours to begin with. Everything we have is the Lord's and we give it freely. So a life of generosity. The second one is a life of empathy, being empathetic and compassionate towards one another. It's so easy to say, that's not my problem. Why, why, should, why should I care that, that your life is in, in shambles? Why should I care that you're... Dep- I'm feeling good. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, share your burdens and lift one another up. Meet people where they're at. Meeting them where they're at is, is giving them a hug. It's saying, I am so sorry. How can, I, how can I be praying for you? Empathy is connecting with them on a deep level. It is giving yourself. So we live generously. We walk with with empathy and compassion. And the third one is having unity and diversity. You see, because we're all different. It's hard to be with family. Every every Thanksgiving or Christmas, there's this topic that comes up and uh, there's a a political debate or, or did you hear what this person said about this person? And people are different and there's always going to be a conflict. But differences are good. Differences can lift us up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that we are the body of Christ. Some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, and we each serve our different purpose. But diversity is useless if there's no 
unity. And unity is found in the bond of Christ within us. Let us always look towards unity. Look towards the the shining light that is Christ. So we live in generosity. We live in empathy. We live in unity and diversity. The last one is we live in forgiveness. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It's hard to forgive, but forgiveness is essential for community. Someone's going to do something wrong to you. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But we did everything wrong to Christ. We lived a life completely apart from him, walking over him, trampling, shouting over his voice, but yet he forgave you. He hung on that cross and he died a death in forgiveness of your sins. Just as Christ forgave you, so too shall we forgive others. So we walk in generosity. We walk in empathy. We walk in unity and diversity. We walk in forgiveness. But the enemy is going to come and try to berate us. The enemy is going to try to pull us uh, away from what we are trying to do in, in Christ. He's going to try to pull our generosity. He's going to try to pull our empathy. He's going to try to pull our, our unity and pull our forgiveness. And there's, there's this quote from Bonhoeffer that is imperative to way, a way that we should walk with people. And it says, Christ calls sinners. Where there are sinners... There should be no illusions. Christ calls sinners. Where there are sinners, there should be no illusions. What does this mean? This means that as we are walking in this life together, as these stories have led us into community, we have to be honest with one another. We have to be open about what's going on. When our hearts are are turning inward and we don't want to give freely in the life of generosity, we have to share that with our community so that we can lift one another up. When our life is, is turning apathetically and we're starting to not care about the people around us, we have to be open about what is going on in our hearts so that our community can lift us up. When we're starting to, 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 to ramble and go against the people in our community, when we're fighting uh, endlessly within our groups, we have to be honest about where we are at. What's rubbing us? What is the issue so that we can lift one another up in Christ? And when we're not being forgiving, when we're holding these grudges, when we're not letting go of what people have done against you, we have to be open and honest. Where there are sinners, there should be no illusions. Names have stories. Recognize these names and these stories. Stories lead us into community. A few years ago, I went on this ski trip uh, with the youth group, and uh, it was a grand time. We got on the bus. Uh, We almost fell into a coal mine. All the middle schoolers were throwing up. And we got there, and I was saying, what more can go wrong? So we get out, and it's about negative three degrees. All the roads were iced, and we send everyone up to get their rooms situated. And we say, when five minutes pass, we're going to meet right back here to go to the main pavilion area so our youth pastor, Billy, can give his famous don't be stupid spiel. If you're just not stupid, everything will be okay. We send them up. 
They come back down, and we're getting everyone ready to go over when my leader, the student that I trust the most, comes up to me and says, hey, man, we have a problem. A million things start running through my head. What could possibly be wrong? The fear of the Lord is in his eyes. And I said, hold on. Once we start walking, I'll hear you out. So we start walking, and just as he's ready to tell me, Billy the youth pastor, who's a big guy, about 280 pounds, slips on the ice and slams into the ground, and, and there's a, a, the only sound that comes out of him is one of, oh! Hey, Billy, you all right? Is, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So now Billy's mad. This problem's going to happen over here. I still don't know what it is. And so I was like, okay, come over here. Let me hear what you got. And he goes, Christian, we locked all of our keys in the room. Our phones are in there. Our clothes are in there. Our toothbrush is in there. We have nothing. And I'm going, whew, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. We'll get, we'll get some keys and we'll be okay. So we get to the pavilion. Billy's about to give his don't be stupid spiel. But he, before he does this, he goes by every single room and he asks them, did you get settled? Did you get settled? Yeah. Did you get settled? Yeah. And he looks my leader, my student that I trust in the eyes, did you get settled? He goes, yeah, I guess you could say that. I'm like, oh no, this isn't good. He gives a spiel. Everyone leaves and I go up beside Billy. And when he's sitting down, his head is, down, his head is to the ground. I said, hey, Billy, we have a problem. He goes, lay it on me. You know those students that we trust? The ones that we're not worried about? Yeah. Well, they locked their keys in the room. And when I said that, his eyes got wide, and he looked up at me and goes, that's a problem. Can't we just go and get keys at the front desk? He goes, there is no front desk. We're not getting those keys until tomorrow. We got to, they're in trouble. (sighs) Okay. So I tell the guys, you're not getting in your room. When you're going to text your mommy that you made it, It's too late now. Your phones are in there. We're throwing you in this room with four middle school boys that are going to be sweaty and smelly. Eight to a room for two beds. What a story, right? What a time together. But that story, that time together created a bond. It created an intimacy found. And out of of that instance, that trip came one of the sweetest communities that I've ever been a part of, a community that supported one another, that lifted one another up, a community that that loved being around each other, but more than that, loved pursuing Christ together. And it was from this instance that that happened. Stories lead us into community. And the third point today, that names have stories, Stories lead us into community, and community draws us back to the person of Jesus, the name of Jesus. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, this is how the world will know me through you, and it's how you love each other. The way that we love each other in our communities is how we will spread the gospel message of Christ, in our relationships, having the same mindset of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11, 
It gives us a description of how we should do this, of how we should look, the posture of our eyes. And it says this. In your relationships with one another, your community, the church, the body of Christ, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and, he found, and, be, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, when we read this, we recognize three things of who Christ is. That Christ is God. He is exalted. He is the one that is above all. He is Yahweh, the existing one. The beginning, the end, the alpha and the omega. Jesus Christ is God. The name of Jesus is powerful. But just as he's God, he's also human. Jesus is human. He gets you. He gets you and me. He suffered. He's been tempted. He's walked this world. He's, he's learned how to, uh, to deal with those people that irritate us. He's learned how to walk in community boldly, shining the light of, Christ, uh, light of himself in, in every avenue that he was a part of. He is God. He's the one that is higher than everybody. He is human. And because of that, he is exalted. He is worthy of our praise. Our community should be pointing us back to the name of Jesus. That name that is above every name, that at his name, every knee should bow. Every knee should be humble just to, to mention the name of Jesus. Every, knee, uh, every tongue will acknowledge that he is Lord. He is above everything. But where is our community drawing us to? Where is our community pointing us to? And it starts with the names. These names have stories. Recognize these stories in our life. These stories lead us together in unity because of Christ that died on the cross for me and you. And this community should point you to him. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to, um, to recognize people, to recognize Christ in your life and show the love of Christ to everybody. In John chapter 21, we see Jesus appear, uh, appear himself to his disciples for one last time. And he's standing on the beach and his disciples are out fishing and he calls them in. And once he calls them in, he brings them around a fire. Imagine the stories around that fire with Jesus, the light flickering up against the night sky, and he broke bread. He ate some fish. Then he asked Simon Peter three questions. Simon Peter, do you love me? Of course, Jesus, you know that. But Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, 
I love you. But Peter, do you, do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. The love that we have for Christ should overflow into the love that we have for everybody in our life. Names have stories. These stories lead us to community. Community sheep should always be pointing back to Christ. And through Christ's love is how we love one another. So I invite you to stand with me. We're going to have our time of movement. And movement matters. And movement can look in many different ways. Movement can look like taking the communion the body and blood of Christ, being united with him and the love that he shed for you. Move it can look like coming down to the altar and embracing burdens that you have together, praying and lifting one another up. Movement can look like lifting your hands, exalting him, and it's through exalting him that his love is overflowed in, and, and it penetrates and transforms our hearts. You'll be sitting down and reflecting on your life, the people that you know, sending them a text, saying a simple, I love you. So as we sing, let's worship, let's adore, let's exalt him. Because names have stories. Stories lead us into community. And the body of Christ, our community, should be pointed towards him. So let's sing it out. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.